If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you uh, to turn with me to uh, Genesis uh, chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 7 today. Genesis 15, 1 through 7. Let me read uh, those uh, verses here before we uh, jump in. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. After these things, the, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now towards heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit in. Every one of us has a story, a testimony, as we sometimes will call it, of how we came to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Uh, for me, and I know many of uh, you have heard uh, my story over the past uh, several years, but the, for me, it was uh, that time at Vacation Bible School. That's why uh, Marguerite and I, we, we focus some, some, so much on Vacation Bible School because it can radically transform a kid's life. And uh, for me, it was when, when I was about five years old, I went to Vacation Bible School, and, and, uh, and it kind of, I mean, I heard the gospel all my life. I mean, well, growing up in the church, my parents took us uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. We joked around that uh, we, we couldn't get enough church, so we started cleaning the church so we could go and, and have more time at church. But it was that time that from a young age hearing the gospel, but at age five of vacation Bible school was when the light bulb came on. And I realized that Jesus had died on the cross because of my sins. And that I needed to put my faith and trust in Him. And so I uh, went forward at the Vacation Bible School and, 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 uh, and the Gospel had explained to me even more further and prayed and received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And my life has never been the same ever since. And if we were to go around this morning and, and have, and sometimes uh, in the, the distant past, you would have those testimony times where people would have the opportunity to share those times of saying, this is how I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. In a real sense, Genesis 15 is Abram's story. How does Abram come to be saved? How does Abram come to be a, a, a true follower of Jesus Christ? How does Abram come to be, as God says in verse 6, declares them righteous? And it all goes down to these promises, and we've seen over these past several weeks that as we've uh, been looking at the life of Abram, as we've been seeing these promises that God has been given to him, that finally all of a sudden something inside him, kind of the, the light bulb clicks on and says, this is it. This is the one true God, and this is who I'm believing and I'm trusting in. This is whom I'm following. I am believing in him, and because of his faith, 
God declares him as righteous. This is Abraham's Abram's story of how he became a follower of the one true God. And so we start here in, in verse 1. And where he sees the, that in verse 1 it says, after these things. And so we have to kind of go back in, in, in a little bit in uh, verse 14 and kind of remind ourselves, you know, what things are happening, what things have, have happened up to this point in time. And if you remember in verse, uh, chapter 14, you have this, this, these four kings of Mesopotamia that are attacking these five kings of Canaan. And then how, because of these four kings coming and attacking these five kings, and the five kings on paper, you would think, hey, they outnumber the kings of Mesopotamia. Surely they're going to have victory, but the opposite is true. The four kings win. And, and as a custom of that day, when you won in battle, you would then take the, the people that lived in these towns uh, back with you. And so that's what was happening. The kings of Mesopotamia won and were taking people back to Mesopotamia, including Lot, Abram's nephew. Abram gets word of this, that Lot has been captured. And so Abram goes and, and he defeats these uh, kings of Mesopotamia and rescues Lot. And right at the end of chapter 14, and we saw these, uh, uh, specifically the one king a couple weeks ago, uh, Melchizedek, but these two kings come out to congratulate Abram because of his victory. The king, uh, first king was uh, Melchizedek, uh, king of Salem. And that's uh, Melchizedek, ultimately we saw point to Jesus uh, in, in Hebrews. King of Salem means peace. Uh, where Jerusalem is located at. And so you have this king coming out, praising God, pointing Abram to the fact that God was the one that gave him the victory. God was the one that that gave him the victory to rescue his nephew Lot from. And Abram responded by giving him a tithe of all the the things that he won in in battle uh, to Melchizedek. But there was another king that came out. The king of Sodom. That's where Lot lived. And so the king of Sodom, if you have your Bibles open, you can uh, turn uh, uh, chapter 14, starting in verse uh, 21. The king of Sodom says to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. In other words, he's saying, pretty much saying, continue to give me give me the people that I used to rule over. You can keep all all the other possessions, but allow me to be king again is really what the king of Sodom is saying there. And then Abram responds to the king of Sodom in verse 22. He says, I have raised my hand, the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I have, I will take nothing in, from what I've won. In other words, as he has gone and as he fought against these, he made a promise to God saying, God, I'm not going to take anything that from this victory. I'm just going to go rescue, specifically probably his nephew Lot. And then listen what how Abram goes on at the end of verse 23 there. He says, That I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abram rich. And so the, Abram pretty much tells the king of Sodom, listen, take everything. Because I don't want you to tell people that you made me rich. 
I don't want you to say that I owe you anything because I don't. You don't. So take it all. The people, the possessions, you can have it all back. And because of that, these things, that is the context that we find Abram in now. Where all of a sudden, after these things, after the dealing with the Melchizedek, after he's dealing with King of Sodom, after he has won this victory, and he gives everything back, God comes to him and says some very important things. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. If you're following along there in your bulletin, this is the, the first point. I am your protector. God tells Abram, I am your protector. That's what the shield was. It was uh, used in, in a battle. Uh, usually it was hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat bat a lot of times, and you would have uh, the the, the uh, double-edged sword in, in one hand and the shield in the other hand. And as you remember those those, those movies, those medieval movies with like hand-to-hand -hand combat where the swords are going and the shields and so forth, the gladiators... That's the idea here. And God is telling him and saying, listen, I'm your protector. I'm the one, and you recognize that. I'm the one that gave you this victory. I'm the one that protected you. I'm the one that went with you, and, 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 and I will continue to protect you. I will continue to be with you. But then God also says the next part. Your exceedingly great re reward. Now, we in our, if you follow along in the New King James uh, translation, which is this, uh, it, sometimes our translations will, will talk and say, no point that God is saying that He will be Abram's reward. It, it, it really means this. God is promising Abram this. Your reward will be extremely great in number. God tells Abram this, Abram, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to protect you, and I am going to reward you exceedingly beyond your wildest dreams. I'm going to reward you for what you've done. He told the king, told uh, Abram told the king of Sodom, listen, I don't want anything that you have. I'm giving it all back to you because I don't want you to tell people that you're the one that made Abram wealthy. And here God is saying, listen, I'm going to make you wealthy. I'm going to make you a great, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you like crazy because of what you've done. But what's Abram's response to this? Look at, uh, jump down to verse 2 there. Abram says this, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And really what Abram is saying here is Abram's response is this. God, that's great. That's great, God. But I have no children to inherit all this that you've given to me. That's wonderful, God, that you want to bless me. That's wonderful, God, that you want to reward me like crazy. That's wonderful, God, that you want to make my reward exceedingly great. But there's a problem. 
I don't have any kids. In fact, if I was to die, and this, this blessing, this great reward that you're going to give me, uh, if I was to die right now, this guy, Eleazar, who is a servant in my house, he would be the one that would inherit everything. God, you're blessing me material things. You're blessing me with goats and animals and, and camels and, and money and, and everything like that. But how come you're not blessing me with a child? Especially in the Old Testament law. In the Old Testament, the mentality was if you were barren, if you weren't able to have children, it was almost seen as God's curse was upon you. And as Abram wrestled with this and thinking, God, how in the world are you blessing me? But yet, but yet the, there's this one problem here. What's going on? I have no children to inherit all these things that you're giving to me. And so here comes the third time. The third time God promises to Abram some very important things. Verse 4. God's promises again, verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying this, This one shall not be your heir, but one who comes from your body shall be your heir. So all of a sudden, God is starting to reveal His plan to Abram. And He's saying, here it is, Abram. I understand that you're kind of scratching your head and thinking, how in the world is this all going to work out? But this is it. You are going to have a child. You will have a child. This Eleazar of Damascus, the servant of, of uh, that was born in your house, he's not going to be the one that inherits everything. He's not the one that these promises that I'm giving you are going to flow through. You are going to have a child, one from your own body. And that person will inherit everything that I'm giving to you and will inherit all these, all the promises that I have promised to you. And so then you have God saying more in, in these promises. Verse 5, He comes out and says this, He brought him outside and said, Look now towards heaven. Count the stars if you are able to number them. Sometimes uh, on warmer uh, days and nights, uh, and you can uh, go outside and and you can, uh, in fact, the Prince Gleason State Park is one of the best uh, in Pennsylvania areas where you can actually go and, and see the, the stars. And uh, one time we, uh, as a family, they were having a stargazing uh, time up there. And so we uh, went and uh, the park ranger showed us, you know, how to view uh, Venus and, and the other uh, stars and to see all the uh, constellations and so forth. And it was, uh, it was neat. And you can see as you go outside and you look up at the stars, you can see the, the, the amount of stars that are there. I mean, every single day and every single year, they're finding new and, and stars. In fact, you can uh, even uh, name uh, stars after yourself if you uh, pay, pay enough money if you want to. But they're, they're, the, the stars, they're, 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 they're numerous. There's thousands of them. And God takes Abram outside and says, Look, look at the stars. That your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Go ahead and count them if you can. And that's what your descendants are doing. This is the third time 
the third time that God tells Abram this, that his descendants are going to be numerous. In fact, the very first time when we uh, started looking at the life of Abraham, uh, Abram here in, uh, back in uh, Genesis chapter 12, uh, we saw this, that Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, that God is going to make Abram into a great nation. And that word great simply means many people, large. And we saw, if you remember, that, that you fast forward a uh, hundred years, hundreds of years until the time of, of Moses and, and Genesis and, and Exodus there. And you have where, where the, the Egyptians are, are fearful of the Israelites. Why? Because they're a great nation. They're a large nation. And God promised Abram that he was going to make him into a great nation with many descendants. God is going to make Abram into a great nation. The second time, if you, uh, uh, it was in Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 to 17 again, where, where God gives these promises again to Abram, if you remember the context there, that, that right after in Genesis chapter 12, halfway through Genesis chapter 12, there was a famine in the land, Abram goes down to, uh, to Egypt, and you have Pharaoh there, you know, who, who is, uh, wants to, uh, take, uh, Sarai as his, his wife, and God intervenes, and then he comes, Abram comes back to Canaan, and God reiterates these promises again and says, listen, I understand you, you kind of screwed up there, and I, and I intervened to save you, but listen, these promises that I gave you are still true. Genesis 13, 14 through 17. That God is going to make Abram's descendants as numerous as the dust of the earth. So God comes initially and says, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. Go into the land of Canaan. I'm going to show you the land I'm going to give you, your descendants. Genesis 13. I, I know you, you screwed up. You had that, that slip of faith. But listen, these promises, I'm still going to use you. I'm still going to give you a, a numerous descendants. Genesis 15. God, where are these descendants you promised me? I, I, like, I, I enjoy these blessings that you're giving to me, but I have no children. You promised me a child. You promised me descendants. And God comes to him again and says, listen, Look at the stars. I will ha- let you have a child and your descendants are going to be as numerous as those stars. Verse 6 is the key verse here. In fact, verse 6 is the key verse, if you want to say, kind of kind of sets the scene not just of Abram, but, but with us as well. Abram's response was this. God comes to him, gives these promises the third time, and says, these are the promises that I'm going to do in your life. Verse 6, Abram's response, he believed God. And he believed in the Lord. And the understanding of believing isn't just head knowledge and saying, hey, that's nice, God. But all of a sudden, that, that just as I was with age five and that light bulb goes off and understanding what Jesus has done for me and I put my faith and trust in, in Jesus, that is this understanding of believing. That Abram got it. Abram understood that God, the Lord, the Yahweh, that these were promises that he was going to do. Abram understood and put his faith and trust in the Lord. He put his faith and trust 
in God's promises. And God's response, what was God's response to Abram? God declared Abram righteous. The second half of verse 6. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abram put his faith and trust in the Lord and said, and said, God, I believe in who you are. I believe in your promises. I'm trusting in you. And God says, Abram, because of your faith and your trust in me, I declare you righteous. And that righteous simply means righteousness all throughout Scripture simply means I declare you as being in a right relationship with me. This was Abram's salvation. This was the time, moment in time when Abram he he became, if you want to say, he became a, a, a Christian, a follower of God. That salvation, God's salvation came to his life. He believed in the Lord. And God declared him righteous. And as I said before, this verse, this verse 6, is the key verse not just for Abram and understanding Abram's walk with God and, and how now he is in that right relationship with God, but now it is also a key verse for us because the New Testament picks this up. And the New Testament asks this question, and then we'll, in, in Galatians, Paul talks about this, where the, the New Testament asks this question and saying, how does a person become a follower of Jesus Christ? How is a person saved? How is a person declared righteous now since Jesus came? Is it through works? Is it through something that we have to do? And Paul goes back to this point in time in Abram's life and says, listen, how does Abram get salvation? How is Abram saved? How is Abram declared righteous? It is because of his faith, his belief in God, not through anything that he's done. In fact, just like Abram, a person is saved or declared righteous because of their faith in God. A person, you know, when you when a person experienced that gift of salvation, it is exactly the same situation that's happening in Abram's life, where God, when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, God says, You are righteous. God declares you as being in a right relationship or right standing with him and how does a person enter that right relationship with god it is through faith through their believing through their trusting in jesus christ abram believed in god and his promises we believed in what jesus has done listen to what paul says and here is these verses Paul is writing this, these verses, uh, the Galatians 2, 
the believers there in Galatia, explaining to them kind of this, this understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this understanding of that question of how is a person saved, this understanding of, you know, can, this was a big debate in the early church, and you can look at it in, in Acts and deal with this, is that people thought, the early church thought, that a person had to become Jewish in order to become a, a follower of Jesus. And, and, you, and they wrestled with this, and Paul is saying, no, our salvation is not based on anything that we do. It's based on our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. It has always been that way from the very beginning of time. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1-9. through O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? In other words, Paul is saying, listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ was, was clearly preached to you when I was among you. Why in the world are you turning away from it now? Turning to another thing. Verse 2, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And that's a good question. When Paul says receiving the Spirit, he's referring to, did you become a follower of Jesus? Did you become a disciple? Because when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you earn that and you, and you enter into that right relationship with God and to have that salvation, God gives you His Spirit. And so he's asking that question, when did you enter into that relationship with Jesus? When did you receive that gift of salvation? Was it by the works? Or was it by the hearing of faith? Verse 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? And if indeed it was in vain, Verse 5, Therefore, He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does He do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of, uh, the hearing of faith? Verse 6, and here's that verse. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, so Paul's saying, how does a person become a follower of Jesus? How does a person enter this, this gift of salvation? Well, let's go back to Father Abraham. How did he get salvation? Because he believed God. Because of his faith and trust in God. Verse 7. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. In other words, just because you may be an ethnic Jew doesn't make you automatically a son of Abraham, a child of Abraham. It's those who have faith like Abraham are true sons of Abraham. It's that uh, children's song. I will make you do it uh, today. Uh, but Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. Why I? I'm not Jewish. How can we sing that song? Because of this verse. Because of my faith and trust in Jesus makes me a son of Abraham. Verse 8. In the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the Gospel 
to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. And we'll see that here in the weeks ahead of how this all plays out. Verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Paul says, just like Abraham, a person enters into that gift of salvation not based on anything that they do, A person is declared righteous and enters into that gift of salvation based upon their faith and their trust in God. It has been like that since the very beginning of time. Sometimes people will look at the Old Testament and say, well, God worked in one way uh, in the Old Testament and now God works another way. No, it has all been by faith. It has all been by trust. It has all been by Putting and putting their, their belief in the Lord for that gift of salvation. Abram was declared righteous, was declared to be in a right relationship with God, not because of anything that he had done, but because of his trust and his belief in who God is. God came to Abram and said, Listen, you're going to have a son. And your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And Abram believed in the Lord. And God declared him righteous. Now, a person who wants to be right with God puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And what He has done for us on that cross how He came, how He died, how He rose again three days later. And when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what happens? God does the same thing and says, I declare you to be righteous. It has nothing to do with what we do. Nothing to do with good works. It has all been through faith and trust. Nowadays in Jesus Christ, Abraham, faith and trust in the promises of God. A person, just like Abraham, a person is saved or declared righteous because of their faith in God. Our final hymn that we're going to sing is um, declares just that. Saved, saved, saved. In our 494. And how uh, it's a, a hymn that deals with the uh, understanding of of how does a person come to know Jesus Christ and, uh, and the, the joy that we have because of knowing Jesus Christ, that we are saved, saved, saved. My sins are all forgiven. Christ is mine. I'm on my way to heaven. I was once a guilty sinner, lost and undone, now a child of God, saved through His Son. And then second verse, saved, saved, saved by grace and grace alone. Nothing to do with works. has nothing to do with me. Has everything to do with what Jesus has done for me, and my faith and my trust in Him. Oh, what a wondrous love to me was shown! In my stead, Christ Jesus bled and died for my sins. For me was crucified. Then the third verse: Say, say, say! Oh, joy beyond compare! Christ, my life, and I His constant care. Yielding all and trusting Him alone. 
living now each moment as his own. That's what happens. Because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there's a change that takes place in our lives because of God's Spirit now lives inside of us that we now desire to live differently. The good works is a result of our salvation. They are not our basis of our salvation. The only way we can are saved is by grace alone, through faith alone. Just like Abram, a person is only saved because of their faith in God. Now let's stand as we sing our final hymn, Save, Save, Save.